Good morning. Glad you're here with us this morning to worship and to dig into God's Word. Um, we're looking at folly in this message series that we're currently in. This is week two. We premiered the movie last week, as Josh said, The Station. And then over these next several weeks, we're going to be pulling scenes out of the episode that illustrate what we're talking about, try to dig in. We're looking at folly not because we want to enjoy it or laugh at it or whatever. Um, we're looking at folly because as we begin to identify folly and foolishness, then we're able to shift gears, turn from it, and begin to walk wisely. That's what God wants. That's why God in the Scripture wants to show us the folly that's there and that we find in ourselves and the way that we go about our lives so that we can really make the right kind of progress toward the life that he wants for us. In fact, folly hinders progress toward the right goals. You find that out in Scripture. Proverbs 15:21 says, Folly delights a man who lacks judgment, but a man of understanding keeps a straight course. What happens is folly, which is the opposite of wisdom, it's choosing uh, the wrong goals and living life opposite of, of God's way. Folly derails progress. It takes the long way around. But understanding takes a straight course from A to B. You know, in each arena of life, family, work, here in church life, you may be in a small group in church, you may be on a team, you, you, you may just be a part of the bigger group, but there are, in each arena, there are right goals that we should go after. If you choose the right goals, and as a group, you're able to work toward those goals and accomplish them, everybody is blessed. Everybody gets blessed by the right goals being accomplished as we work together and as we cooperate together and with God to accomplish those goals. Everybody finds blessing in that. That's the way God has designed life to work. That's what He wants. He wants our blessing. He wants us to enjoy life. He wants to show us how to live the best life. So, as you look at folly, you're able to begin to identify some things that may take you the wrong direction. Folly causes us to choose the wrong goals in situations and or take the foolish path to get what we want, which may not lead us to get what we really want, the underlying goal that we have. The Lord wants to clue us in and help us deal with the folly that's causing trouble so that He shows us where folly is coming from in the Scripture. First of all, it's important to know where the root of folly is found. Now, in the Bible, you find out that our heart guides our strategy in life. Our heart determines the strategy that we choose to reach our goals. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. Your heart is the wellspring of life. In other words, your words and your deeds, they all flow out of your heart. The attitudes that you have in your heart, the things that you're thinking about, the things that you value, the way you think life works in your heart, it shows up in the way you talk and the way that you act. <clears throat> it is the source of all that. Jesus said the same thing at one point. I think it's Luke 6.45, I don't have it on the screen, but Luke 6.45, Jesus says, Out of the overflow of a man's heart, his mouth speaks. 
So what you say actually reflects what's in there, what's in your heart, which is the cockpit of your life. Your heart is the thing that sets the direction. And it's it's your inner you. It's who you really are. And it's setting the direction for the path that you take in life and for the things that you say and the way you try to go about accomplishing your goals. Mark 7, 21 and 22, Jesus said this. He shows us where the root of folly is. It says in Mark 7, For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. So if we're going to deal with folly, we've got to get to it at the root, and it's found in our heart. So the Bible shows us three follies that are that are rooted in our heart that we can begin to identify. God wants us to see them, not so that we'll feel bad about ourselves, but so that we might get convicted about the folly and want to choose a different way to live, so that we might turn from our folly to follow him to do life his way. But here are the three roots of folly, which are the follies that are found in our hearts. The first root is stubborn self-centeredness. That's the best description. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the Hebrew word for this folly is eveleth. It's not a word we say, nor is it spelled like most things we find in English, but it just basically means that we are stubbornly myopic <laughs> in the way that we go about life. We're, we're stubbornly self-centered. Proverbs 22.15 says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. This folly is in our hearts, and a parent's role is to train it out of the kids. Now, this is... This folly is the reason we have TV shows like Nanny 911. You know, Nanny has to come to the rescue because this folly is wrecking havoc on the household. And someone needs to give some perspective and help the, the family figure out how to take steps toward wisdom in the way they go about their life. Super Nanny comes to the rescue and gives some, some practical advice on how to straighten things out. And this folly is something that needs to be trained out of the kids, and it's not, so they come to the rescue. This strategy is best described in the phrase, I want what I want. I want my way. I want it. And so what I'm going to do this morning is show some video clips that show this folly in action from the episode, the station that we watched in total last week. And as you watch, it may not, it may or may not be readily apparent how these scenes illustrate the folly, but I'm going to help you connect the dots after we watch them. So here's, here's the first one. I'm the baby of the family, and I've always gotten my way. What is our incentive for this? Besides that I'm your boss and I told you to? We can't have you. <laughs> what do you need? A Jamba Juice. <laughs> Brett, get her a Jamba Juice. Sure. What kind? 
Razzmatazz. What? Razzmatazz. I do have to admit I haven't been entirely honest with you all. But first, Candace, Jim from corporate, doesn't like my employees calling him. Oh, one! But, uh, do you think we'd really be giving away two weeks' paid vacation and a month's worth of gasoline for a, a mascot? What are we, fools? Oh, another day in paradise comes to a close. So how is this paradise, Ted? Well, I got what I wanted when I wanted it. Hmm. So there, there you see Rebecca, who, who's in this clip. She's the star of this folly, one of the stars. Um, she, she wants her way. She's the baby of the family. I, I personally can identify with that. I was the youngest in my family, and it was a rude awakening when I showed up at college and found out that the rest of the world did not revolve around me. I loved it when it did, but it was it was tough. I've been trying to get over that ever since. It's a tough it's a tough shift to make. But she's the star of this folly. There there are a couple other ones that that flow out of this. A couple other foolish strategies that particularly flow out of Aveleth. Um, but you see Ted, even in the way that he's leading in the office, the way that he's trying to manage the office, he's he's having everyone dance around Rebecca's upset. She wants her way, and she's going to be upset until she gets her way. And so he's dancing around it. Brett, you see him pop up because the boss tells him he's got to take care of Rebecca. And that this is destroying trust and teamwork in the office. And it doesn't, whatever group in the family... If somebody's upset and everybody has to dance around them to make them happy, or if if somebody gets gets shown favoritism so that they're always taken care of and everybody else has to pay a price, there begins to be a problem at a deep level where trust is destroyed and divided, and real problems continue to to go on and on and on unless things are handled in a right way. Brett, the poor guy, can't get his work done because he's getting jamba juice and all, all kinds of things for her. And so he, he's counterproductive, and he begins to resent what's going on. So you can see some problems that grow out of that folly. Second folly is arrogance. In the Hebrew, the word is halela, which basically means exalting yourself to exalt yourself, to praise yourself, to put yourself above everyone in a particular group. Sounds sort of like hallelujah. Hallelujah means praise the Lord. Hallelah means to praise yourself, to lift yourself up above the people around you. In Ecclesiastes 9.3, we find these second two follies that are in our hearts it says, this is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of men, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live, and afterward they join the dead. Solomon is in midlife crisis. He's the one who wrote this passage. He's trying to evaluate what really matters in life, what it really counts for. And so he's got sort of a somber, melancholy edge on what life is all about here, but he makes an astute observation. He says that evil and madness are in our hearts the whole time we live. 
Madness is that word, halela. It's translated madness because it is crazy to exalt yourself over other people. For one reason, one reason only, God doesn't play favorites. Everybody on the face of the earth is equally valuable to him. And so when you put yourself above the people around you, God takes issue with that. Scripture says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When you exalt yourself above the people around you, you go toe-to-toe, nose-to-nose with God. And he, he will bring you down over a period of time. He's very gracious, gives us time. But he does oppose us. So some of the reasons life may be difficult for you is you, this folly. You're just giving in to this folly, and it's you're paying a price for what's going on. You see this come out in different ways, people cutting in line, or you're on the freeway, you're in line to go to Angel Stadium or some big concert, and everybody's lined up to get off at the off-ramp, and several people boom, go by to the front of the line, and they're just going crazy to get into the front of the line because... They don't need to wait. They're way more important than everybody in line. How Layla shows up. It shows up in life. Let's watch this, this next clip. The, the way that the best description of this as we think about it is I want what I want and I deserve it. Not only do I want what I want, but I deserve it. And I deserve what I want more than you deserve what you want. Let's watch this clip, these scenes from the station. Hey, Candace. You're early for tomorrow. <laughs> I covered the state swim meets last night. I'm fine. Worry about yourself. I'm not the one with three plaques on the wall for making up trash can basketball games. Two points! Why did you change? I'm taking this competition seriously, and I always like to look my best, unlike most people. Hey, how's it going? Fine. I just don't know how much longer I can take being completely unchallenged. So you got your mascot thing all figured out? I've got the internet, and I know how to use it, unlike most people around here. I've got the best idea for a mascot, and now the office is going to have to settle for somebody else's. So, who's the loser there? Do you have your write-up, Greg? Yeah, I'm going to keep this one to frame. You keep that. I've got a pretty good idea. I I took some art classes in junior college, so I think I may have a leg up on the competition. You can see that that folly showing up, can't you? Candace is the poster child for Halela. She's actually a fool, a specific fool called the Halal fool, the glory way. She's getting the glory and and all the praise is very important to her, so she constantly looks down at the people in the office and puts herself above them, talks about the plaques on the wall that she's earned and, and those kinds of things. Um, you see it in the other characters as well. Um, Brett's pretty sure he has a leg up on the competition because he's had some art uh, classes, some things in his background that help him have a leg up that's very important to us. This, this folly does show up. Greg wants to frame his dolphin opossum drawing. B- 
because he's pretty sure it's going to go down in history as the mascot for the station. And Jason has the best idea. Nobody knows what his idea is because he didn't really work on it very much, but he has the best idea, so who's the loser there? So you can see this show up in that episode, and you can also see it show up as you live life in the people you relate to and in yourself. It's, it's natural to think that we're the most deserving because this folly is rooted in our hearts. The third folly is harm. It's translated evil in Ecclesiastes 9.3. The Hebrew word is ra, R-A. <clears throat> and if you look at 9.3, Ecclesiastes 9.3, you see that it says that we're full of evil while we live. Now, this is the way it shows up. You may not look at yourself as an evil person, but this... This folly shows up in our thinking as, I want what I want, I deserve it, and I may or may not want to hurt you, but I will hurt you if I, if I need to to get what I want. That's, that's what it's talking about here. It's best described as, I will hurt you to get what I want if I have to. I'll run over you emotionally, I'll run over you some way to get, to get my way. Here's some clips, and it's not going to be readily apparent how this folly is showing up in these clips, but I will help you connect the dots after after we watch them. On the show Survivor, there's only one winner. I really like that. I look at this office like it's Survivor. I create allies as needed, and if they no longer benefit me, goodbye. We have to get Rebecca all her drinks, mochas, lattes, Rudy Tootie Jets. Check us out with the Channel 7 Brits. Rudy Tootie Jets? Dude, that's rhyme with Brett. That's you. You're not flattered that I made you the station mascot? None of us did. What? Is the field goal post or... The red high heel, like, which one is the mascot? They both are. Do you have your right up? What size is that shoe? Jason? Twelve. Great. Excuse me. I want to lift my back. So what happened? Jason, close the door. <laughs> We're down to the final hour, folks. Then shouldn't you be working? I am. That's why I'm here. I wanted to take a look at the uh, samples that you were circulating earlier. I heard they were great. Like, fantastic. I've got a couple, too. Probably two more folders than you have. You can you want to see what I did? Why reinvent the wheel? You know, I mean, we've got talented people in this office, and if I can get some ideas from them, I'm not going to waste my time sitting at my desk trying to figure it out on my own. I mean, I'd be a fool not to listen to them, right? So, whatever. I'm good at what I do. If Jen Davies at corporate is a shot caller, then why would I talk with Ted? It's a waste of time. Now my big decision is where I'm going to spend my two-week vacation. There you go. Brett is the star of this folly. He is a certain kind of fool, Nabal, it's a predator, and um, he he just, he's given his life to making people pay and feel pain. And so he doesn't, he doesn't really care who wins, he just wants everybody to lose. He would prefer that he win, but if he can't win and everybody else can lose, he's okay with that too. 
Um, Greg and Jason, the way the folly comes, the fo- this folly comes out in them is that they're having fun at other people's expense. Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, our mouth speaks. They want to have fun. They're, they're committed to fun. Actually, Greg is a sackle fool. We'll look at that later. He's the fun way fool. He just wants to have fun. He doesn't care who hurts around him with his words. If it's funny, he's going to say it. He's very witty. And sometimes even how Layla plays into our, our, our wit. You know, we want to be thought uh, uh, well of, or we want people to think that we are a sharp person. So we use our tongue to cut people down, to make ourselves look witty. And it hurts them. So to get what we want, we hurt people with our tongue. They, they make a, a, a rap about Brett just to have fun, to make fun of him so that they can enjoy that. And it hurts him. That's, that's the way it comes out. Candace undermines the leadership over her. She is halal, the glory way fool. She wants to get ahead. She's pushy in the way that she goes about getting ahead. And so she hurts the leadership over her by undermining it. She doesn't want to deal with Ted. Forget Ted. I'm just going to go right to corporate, find out what they really want so I can win this thing and get another mark on the wall in my favor. That way it'll show up, the mascot will show up every time we air. That'll be my trophy right there. Very, very important to her. Um, Jason's shortcuts. Jason was the one talking to Candace, trying to get her samples that she was circulating earlier. That grows out of his foolish strategy of just doing it the easiest way possible. I just want the easy way. But the easy way hurts the people in the office because he's distracting her, and he wants basically to use her to get his way, which is so life can be as easy as possible. Why reinvent the wheel? You know, I just, there's a shortcut available. I'm going to take it. So you can see how the folly shows up in real life. It shows up in, in our lives as we go about living them. It affects us. It affects our relationships. I want what I want. I deserve it. And I may not want to. I may want to. But I will hurt you to get what I want. I will make you pay. This strategy creates trouble in our lives, creates a tremendous amount of trouble. James 4, 1 through 3, describes this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Our desires, we want what we want. We want these things. And we develop a strategy that's driven by the folly in us. You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight, you do not have because you do not ask God. In other words, we're, we're moving forward out of this folly to, to fulfill this strategy we've come up with, and we've completely left God out of the picture. We're not asking Him. We're not trusting Him to, to provide or help us with this. We've forgotten Him, and we're just doing life the way that we want to do it. You don't have because you don't ask God. And then when you do ask God, you don't receive because... You ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. We want what we want, and the whole thing is, sometimes even in our relationship with God, we're talking to him, and this folly shows up because we're just trying to twist his arm to get what we want. So he holds back because we're driven by the wrong motives, and he's trying to teach us to see the folly and turn from it and walk toward wisdom. The foolish strategy that comes out of these follies causes these serious problems. Listen to 
an article. I found this article in the LA Times a couple weeks ago. There's been some study going on about the focus on self-esteem in our society. And it says, Gen Y's ego trip takes a bad turn. This is from February 27th out of the Times. It takes a bad turn. New reports suggest that an overdose of self-esteem in college students could mean a rough road ahead. And the, the second part of the article in the back of the paper, Gen Y knows it's special and a study says that's bad. So it says in a couple paragraphs here, in the study being released today, researchers warn that a rising ego rush could cause personal and social problems for the millennial generation, also called Generation Y. People with an inflated sense of self tend to have less interest in emotionally intimate bonds and can lash out when rejected or insulted. That makes me very, very worried, said Gene Twing, a San Diego State associate professor and lead author of the report. I'm concerned we're heading to a society where people are going to treat each other badly, either on the street or in relationships. In this article, they've done this study, and basically they've proven what the Bible said a couple thousand years ago. This folly wrecks havoc in our relationships. It creates a lot of problems. First one is animosity. It causes fights and quarrels and problems. We're trying to get things accomplished, and we're not trusting God to do it. Imagine a trip to Disneyland. Now, you want to go to the, the happiest place on earth to be happy. And imagine a family of four taking off. The mom and dad, they have their ideas of how the day is going to go. The kids have their ideas. Mom and dad and two kids. Uh, mom just wants everybody to get along. Her, she's run the tape. She's run the video of how the day is going to go. And, you know, just everybody is going to, everything's going to fall in line. Both kids are one going to do all the same things together as a family and enjoy the time as they, as they go along through the day. Dad, he's also run a videotape of how the day is going to go. And this is what he sees. He sees as they're pulling out of the parking lot, the kids are rising up and thanking him for the great time they've had and for the fact that he's taken the time and the trouble and paid the money to have this day so that the family could have such a great time. Now, the kids, they've also run a videotape. Their videotape doesn't consider or include anybody else in the family. They're thinking of the rides they want, the cotton candy they'd like to eat, the ice cream that's going to be there. And so they get to the park, and the kids choose to meet their goal. And it creates a lot of animosity. It, when... When they start selfishly demanding their way, the whole thing falls apart, pandemonium breaks out, and there are some real problems. Mom just wants to cave into the kids and keep making them happy. Dad wants to chew them out and does chew them out because they are ingrateful. They're a bunch of ingrates. I mean, he could be getting something done and he's bouncing around at Disneyland trying to have fun with the family, and they don't appreciate it. So you can see the animosity of how subversive goals cause real problems in our relationships. Also, the frustration that comes, which is the second problem that's created, the second big one that's created. We get frustrated. We don't get what we want, and we're frustrated. In the trip to Disneyland, no one's goal was accomplished because... 
These goals that they chose grew out of Aveleth and Halela and Ra kicked in when everybody else didn't cooperate. The kids just weren't that grateful, so Dad was upset. Nobody would be happy, and so the mom began to get involved to try to make people happy, to manipulate situations so they would be happy. And it caused a lot of problems. And you can see these real problems that come out in the video, and you've probably experienced the real problems that come out when we set subversive goals that, that, are, that grow out of primarily self-interest. In the video, you can see how as that really they should have just worked toward the goal because the boss said, Candace said, well, what's in it for me? You know, basically, what, what's the incentive? The right goal was to get the mascot. And the office itself, if they came up with a good, uh, good mascot, everybody would be blessed by that. Corporate would have a different attitude toward them. Um, Ted would, would prosper, and, and so would everyone else. It's interesting how advertisers exploit these follies. They have a heyday with these follies because they show us all of the things that we want, and we deserve the finest things in life. So we get out our credit card and we charge it and we pay for what we want and we end up hurting ourselves and the people around us because we want what we want. We deserve it. And they're tugging at our heartstrings trying to get us to do what we want. So you can see these things in real life. God wants us to see these things because he wants to help us overcome folly at the root. And so this is what God does. He's he's amazing. How patient and gracious he is. Because when you get into the Bible, you find out that every one of us, we were going our own way. These follies are a description. We're stubbornly self-centered. We we don't want to praise God and thank him, the one who made us, but we want exaltation for ourselves. We want to praise ourselves, And we want to make people pay when we don't get what we want. These are the definition, really, of what the Bible calls sin. A stubborn commitment to live life your own way opposite of God, independent of God, without including Him in your thinking. The Scripture says that when, you're go- when you realize you're going your own way and you turn around from going that way and go God's way, then He will begin to give you what you need to overcome folly at its root. The first thing He does is He promises a new heart. Ezekiel 36, 26, 27 this is a prophecy about uh, from the Old Testament about what, God, about what God is going to do through Jesus Christ. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. If we'll turn from going our own way and commit to Jesus Christ, he gives us a new heart. God himself in the person of his Holy Spirit takes up residence in our heart and he begins to help us deal with the folly that's in us if we'll choose to cooperate with him. When you turn from going your own way, you're forgiven for your stubborn, independent approach to life and God then begins to to show you and help you deal with the folly in you, which is the second thing. He trains us to say no to folly. Titus 2, 11 through 12 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, 
upright, and godly lives in the present age. Following Christ is the way out of folly and into wisdom. If you haven't yet chosen to follow him, and you have some questions about what it means, there's some barriers, some ideas, some things you need, questions you need answered, let us know on that blue card. We would love to help you with those. If you're ready to commit your life to Christ, let us know as well. We we would love to help you do that. If you've already committed your life to him, then what, what happens is, the Holy Spirit lives in you, and, it, and Ecclesiastes 9.3 said that these follies are in our heart till, till we die, basically. The whole time we're alive, they're there. What God wants to do in the person of his Holy Spirit is help us begin to identify the folly so that we can turn from it and live life his way and find the blessing in following him. And so what we have to do when we see the folly rearing up, in our lives, we have to admit it. God, I've been doing it again. I'm trying to live life without you. I committed to live life your way, but here I am again. I'm giving in to this folly, and I'm trying to do it my way. Will you forgive me? I surrender to you. Will you show me how to say no to the worldly passions? Will you show me how to say no to the ungodly thoughts and the wrong ways of going about things? Will you help me to live a life that honors you and brings your blessing on me and the people around me. So surrender over and over and over again brings God's training into your life as he teaches us through the experiences we live, through the situations we find ourselves in, to live life in a way that pleases him. Would you go to the Lord with me in prayer as the band comes up? Our Father, we thank you for the truth we find in Scripture, how it sets us free. It sets us free, Lord, to... Live the life that you've always wanted for us. It sets us free to experience.